you could stand please for the reading of God's word and turn your Bibles to John chapter 6 and verse 60. John chapter 6 and verse 60. Let's look at verse, beginning of verse 60. <clears throat> the Bible says in verse 60, And many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying, who can hear it? In verse 61, And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured and at it, and he said unto them, Thou this offend you? What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascended up where he, uh, he was before? And the spirit that quickened the flesh profit nothing, but the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Verse 64, <coughs> But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who shall betray him. And he said, Therefore I say unto you, that no man can come unto me except it was given unto him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walk, walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered, them, have not I chosen you, twelve, and one of you is a devil? He spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve. Shall we pray, Heavenly Father? Thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture. Lord, your heart was crying out because many of the ones who are following you stopped following you. They walked away from you. They walk away from the one who gives life. They walk away from the one who could give them salvation. They turn their back on him. Today, Lord, there's thousands of people who are still turning their backs on you. People who have sit in pews in Bible-believing churches have walked away from you and embraced this world. Father, Lord, I pray if there's someone here that never received Jesus as Savior or online, I pray even, Lord, for those who are Christians here, they will stay close to you, committed to you, in season and out of season. When life hurts, when life is good, they will stay committed to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this year, if you look at the wall right there, back to basics, Galatians 2.20. We're going to have a time in church on which we're going to quote together that verse. It's a great verse, but it's a verse of commitment. A verse, a great verse. So the title of the message today, To Whom Shall We Go? To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Our lives are filled with interesting things that we do, do day in and day out. I believe, I believe most of us don't have boring lives. Some people might think that way. Do you have a boring life? We have busy lives, don't we? You wonder why they made so much uh, drive-through windows? Because we're too busy. We're not bored. We're not bored. We're just too busy. Give me the coffee and the thing. Let me go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> My son Patrick, he, uh, he worked at McDonald's. He said, Dad, you don't know how mean people can be until you work at McDonald's. Some of them even try to, claim to climb in through the, through the drive-thru window if you don't serve them immediately. 
<laughs> I'm like, wow. <laughs> oh, I never seen that, but that's what he told me, you know. So anyway, um, so <laughs> we know, <laughs> and we deal with interesting people on a daily basis. I do. We go to interesting places. We do interesting things. We have interesting conversations. We have interesting tendencies. You know, we do things that I don't do. And I look, wow, that's interesting. I know how you do that, you know. Now, what about when life hurts? When life really hurts, do we have interesting an interesting place, an interesting person to go to? Folks, usually reality sinks in when we need help the most. Now, this morning, I want you ask for a few minutes to focus our minds on a very interesting person today. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Can we do that this morning? Okay. This morning I feel like the Lord just wants me to talk about Him. Okay? Just, I believe Jesus' words of us talking about Him, especially in His house, right? Even in 2024, I think Jesus is an interesting person for what He did. I mean, his words are interesting. His miracles are interesting. His death, burial, and resurrection are very interesting. His birth is very interesting. Everything about Jesus is interesting. So let's talk about him this morning. Okay? All right. So, uh, to whom shall we go? Okay? Number one, accepting the hard teachings. Do you like hard teachings? Uh, okay, let me tell you. Let's tell the truth. Nobody likes hard teachings, okay? <laughs> you know, nobody likes hard things. Hey, get that stuff away from me, you know, I just, uh, you know, that's what we do. But look at verse 60 and verse 61. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, wow, about the teachings of Jesus, said, this is hard saying, who can hear it? See what he said? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured, at, he said unto them, thou this offend you? So, here's a hard teaching. Jesus was teaching something hard. And there they said, ah, uh, this is too much for us. My, my brain cannot, cannot embrace this stuff, you know. And Jesus looking at them and say, did I offended you? They all walk away. So this morning, let's take a few minutes and let's talk about Jesus. The King of Kings is he, isn't he? The Lord of Lords, supreme through all eternity. The great I am, the truth, the way. Let's talk about Jesus this morning. Get this. There's so much that we could talk about Jesus because he is he's a very interesting person. From what he did to whom he claims to be makes him a very, very interesting person. I mean, you know what? You want to see an interesting conversation, just start talking about Jesus at work and see how where that goes. I mean, people might not like what you have to say, but it gets interesting. It gets so interesting, it gets even heated sometimes. And sometimes they even say, don't preach to me. Oh, I'm not preaching to you. I'm just talking about Jesus. It gets like that, doesn't it? So, when we talk about Jesus, we talk about a great reality. It is a great reality. Look what it says in verse 16. Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this saying, uh, this is a hard saying. Who can hear it? So unfortunately, many people don't, uh, today don't really like hard teachings of the, the hard teachings of the Bible. And the Bible says, that we live in an age today, and I think today, of itching ears. People don't want to hear hard teachings today. So what we do, we're going to change our ways and give them some microwave food. Maybe like babies, they don't have, they can't eat solid food. So we give them like, we say in Portuguese, poppers. You know, some poppers. We give them some poppers, you know, nice and, and, and a nice soft thing because they can't chew. 
So we give them, you know, some chewy stuff because they can, can digest hard foods. So what we do today? So just, they just, you know, people want today, they want a fuzzy, feel-good message. I had a hard week. I am hurting. I cannot stand my supervisor, my boss. Can't stand my wife or my husband. My kids are off the wall. I, just give me something to make me feel good. That's what people want. So they go and come to church, and they expect you to make them feel good. And pastors, are, churches are doing that. Jesus right here, the same thing. He gave them some hard teachings, and people say, huh. You know, people didn't change the same thing. Okay, so, when the teaching is hard and conviction is deep and strong, people simply turn their backs on Jesus like many of his disciples. It seems that there are a lot of people who name, who name the name of Jesus Christ who are just not very interested in spiritual things these days, folks. It seems like they, they could care less about going to heaven or hell as, as they are comf comfortable as long as they're happy and they feel good. So this is a state, listen to this, to me, this is a state of apathy. That's the American church. You give me a feel-good message, I'll be here next week. You entertain me, I'll be here next week. But if you tell me something hard, you know what they say, don't tell me how to live. Listen, if I'm here as a pastor telling you how to live, please don't come back. I'll tell you what God says. Then leave it up to Him because He's the Lord, not me. I'm just a servant of the Lord. But shame on me if I don't teach the teachings of God, the whole counseling of God. The job of a pastor is to teach the whole counseling of God, not pick and choose what, what makes the people feel good. That's the state of, our, 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 of Christianity today. It's all about feeling good. You see a feeling good pastor, a person preaching, and you have a whole stadium full of people. You give them some hard bread, and they say, I want soft bread. They don't want to hear it. So, we see this in, a modern, in modern Christianity and mainstream evangelistic Christianity. They have, they are banned famous Christian singers who are uh, 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 famous Bible teachers who just say, you know what I, well, you know what, I don't even believe in Jesus Christ anymore. There's some of them that have said that. People who, you listen to the music and say, well, that's good music. But they, they, they openly, publicly said, I'm not a Christian anymore. Listen, there's two things about Christianity. For you to say I'm not a Christian anymore it goes like this. Maybe you've never been one in the first place. You know? And secondly, you are one, but you're very worldly. And you don't know what you're talking about. Because if I'm a child of God, I'm forever a child of God. There's no changing there. I'm adopted to God's family. That's Bible. Oh, I'm not a, I don't want to be a Christian. I'm not a Christian anymore. Probably never been one. You know, unfortunately, folks, it's like this. And as you know, it's always people that abuse the system. There are many people who are uh, writing books and uh, making music, and they have no Christ in them at all. They're just making a living. And I'm not God to tell them who they are, do they or not. But it bothers me when somebody that is so popular comes and says, I'm not a Christian anymore. Wow. Folks, I have seen Christians do that over the years, and we want to make sure that we do, we're, not, we're not a part of that crowd because Jesus is the one who truly met us here. I have been saved since 
February 1999. I've been preaching for seven years. I have been preaching about every week for several years now, for about seven years. I had the privilege of preaching to large, large crowds, many churches, and small churches. Our church is not that big. I have met thousands of people over the years on which I have become good friends with. And I tell you what, Jesus matters. Let it be. It is a sad reality. Look what it says in verse 66. From that time, many of, of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. What a sad reality that in Jesus' time, the same thing is today, that we are living today. We are living on, on, the, uh, living on the sad reality that people more and more are turning their backs on Jesus. People simply don't want Jesus anymore. The, the comfort of life have invited people out of their lives and is now that, uh, that God, God didn't turn their back on them. They turned their back on God. The sad reality is that people purposely have their turn backs on Jesus, on their church, on His church, on His word, and they say, you know, it doesn't fit my lifestyle any longer. And they say, I have to live my life and do what I want to do. That's reality. That's what we see. Folks, he thinks, he thinks like, well, churches are small. Listen to me. They're getting smaller. They're getting smaller. If you've been saved very long, you know some people that used to follow Jesus and don't anymore. It is it's a sad thing, isn't it? The sad reality for many of them is that, is that usually when they stop following Jesus, listen to this, their lives don't get any better. Actually, they get worse. When they stop following Jesus, many of their life turns into chaotic stuff, and they even have the wave and to say, that is God's fault. Some have walked away from Jesus because they make their problems and they blame God for it. Oh, look, I went to church. I tied. Uh, I went to church when the doors are open. I did all this stuff, and look where I am. God doesn't love me. They're lying to themselves and use that excuse to walk out of church. By the way, COVID-19 was a big excuse for a lot of Christians not to come to church anymore. What a shame. You know, someday we're going to see our great Savior. And we use that excuse. Oh, and, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to church, but people are sick. I'm going to get sick. You know what? People get sick anyway, and you're going to die of something. Good night. You know, I'm going to live in fear, you know. I mean, I'm not fearful to go to work. I'm not fearful to go sit in a restaurant when I don't know these people, if, what kind of diseases they have. I'm not sick of walking in a plane. I'm not sick of taking the bus. I'm not sick of going anywhere. I am afraid to go to church because I'm going to get sick at church. You see the excuse? It makes no sense. Sometimes I want to preach right on the outside and <laughs> tell people. So, let us see. It is a great warning. Look what it says in, verse, uh, in the verse 66. Will ye also go away? You see, this stuff, this phenomenon happening in Jesus. The Savior was walking in the world, and the Savior has met many followers. When he gave them hard food, they all walk away. And he looked at his disciples, the one that was so close to him, he said, will you go away too? You see the heart of God here? Listen, listen, folks, listen, listen. God doesn't want us to walk away from his house. He wants us to, wake, wants us to walk into his house. 
He doesn't want his children to be out there wandering around in a world and, and, and eating all the, the, the bad foods of this world. He wants his children to be together in God's house. And you say, well, what am I going to church for? Nothing for me there. What well, is a lot of for you there? It is a great warning right here. Will you go away? The one he comes with a question from the lips of Jesus. Look at there. Will you go, or go away? We can't turn our backs on Jesus thinking that maybe things will get, work better for us. But that usually only lasts for a while. Friend, as soon as we turn our backs on Jesus, we just turn into a, into a dead end street. And for many, only ends in one place. And that's destruct, destruction and turmoil. During those days of apathy and people turning their backs on Jesus, we want to make sure that isn't our goal and that we continue to serve our Jesus, even if we do it by ourselves. I want to serve Jesus till he comes or till he takes me home. That's me. Because one of these days, he's going to come. And I want, to, I want him to find me faithful serving him. But that's my commitment to my Savior. I don't know about you, but I hope you have the same commitment to serve the Lord. Because he says to you and me, will you go away too? Others are walking away. Are you going to walk away too? You see the heart of God here? A concern about his disciples? So we see um, accepting a hard teaching. Number two, following when the road is hard. Look, it says in verse 67, And Jesus said unto the twelve, those who were close to his heart, Will ye go away? He, he, has a, he questions them. Following Jesus can be a rocky road at times. We all know that, even we, uh, uh, that when we got saved, that Jesus didn't promise to give us an easy life. You follow that? Some people think, oh, okay, you know what? I had one preacher say this, Oh, if you don't have an easy life, if life is not good to use because you're in sin. That is a lie. That is not true. That's unbiblical. How many Christians are in hospitals right now suffering? Yeah. How, many, how many Christians are going from day to day, every 24 hours a day, suffering? Yeah. How, many, how many Christians don't have a place to lay their heads? How many Christians don't have a dime in the bank? How many Christians don't have a car to drive? You know what? When people say that, they're lying. Jesus promised to save us. Yes, it's a promise. But he didn't promise us an easy life. We have to work for a living. Like everybody else. You know, if you want to have a place warm, you got to work for a living to pay the bills. And the bill's not getting any easy. Is there, the, the, the sad reality is people think, you know what, if I do this, I get this. No, no. We serve the Lord in bad times and good times. You see... When we, all, uh, we all know that when we got saved, he didn't promise easy life. Thankfully, when you got, you got, you got saved, Jesus of, often makes our life uh, 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 more pleasant to live because we begin to understand what life is all about. But Jesus didn't say that whenever you, get, you got saved that we will never have any problems. Some people actually think that way. Listen, do we have problems? Every day, right? That's the reality of life every day. You know, I, I, I mean, feel for me, if you have an oil bill, that's a problem in the winter months, isn't it? You know, when that guy comes, it's like, uh, I, I mean, uh, I, I'm at work and I, I, and I see a signal in my in motion in my cameras. I go and see the oil guy. Go, 
And I was like, oh, my goodness. There he goes, $800. Is that a problem? Well, if you don't have the money, it's a problem. If you don't have the money, it's a problem. I heard it was some, I mean, a, a, a guy that works with me, who works with the French department, he was saying, he said, he said, um, I came from my house. I could, I, 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 was, I was inside the house. I, we, we could see the, 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 I was breathing and my breath was like little waves coming out. I said, we have no heat. And the other guy said, why you don't have no heat? He goes, well, we have so many bills. I don't have money to pay for the heat. So we go all winter long without any heat. Is that a problem? Yes, it's a problem. Following the Lord sometimes is a hard road. Some people think if I'm a Christian, all the problems going away. They're not going away. The thing is, you got saved, your sins have been forgiven, and you are going to heaven. But life continues on. We live in a falling world with a lot of corrupt people. And because of the corruption, they drag everybody with them, and you all suffer with that. Okay, let it be. Let it A. It can be a lonely road. Verse 66 and verse 67 says, And from that time, of, of us, uh, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then Jesus said unto twelve, Will ye go away? The great reality here is that all left except twelve men. They were left alone with Jesus and his hard teachings. Will they leave too? Will they go away like the others did? Get this, the reality for all believers is, is that following Jesus can be, lo- can be lonely, can be a lonely road sometimes. It can get lonely when we see people leaving church and turn their backs on Jesus. It can be lonely when the person used to be your friend or claimed to be your best friend is not your best friend anymore because they're no longer in church. It can be lonely when you try to call them and they don't answer the phone. It can be lonely when they block your number. It can be lonely when you knock on their door and then they think you're some person from another planet or something. It can be lonely. It can be lonely when we see people leaving church. It can be lonely when we are told we are the only ones telling about Jesus. It can be very lonely after you get saved. You find uh, that the same, uh, uh, that some of your friends and family don't want to follow Jesus anymore. They don't even want to talk to you. We might find out that the crowd we used to have and hang around with and so-called friends, they no longer want to talk to you because now you're strange. It can be lonely following Jesus sometimes. Can I ask you an important question this morning? Are you willing to stay with Christ when others walk away? Why would we stay with Jesus Christ when we lose friends over and family members? If Jesus Christ... Is Jesus Christ worth following if you have to do it all alone? Is Jesus Christ worth worth following if it is a life of sacrificing and self-denying? Many many answered uh, uh, yes and yes and yes, but some say no, no. Is Jesus worth of uh, of it all? Is Jesus worth of you losing your friends? Is Jesus worth of you having family members that don't want to talk to you no more? Is Jesus worth of somebody even say you in a cult? That's the world we're living in. We live in this type of world. Even in a workplace. Oh, don't come here. You're too holy. And they excuse you. You become like a stranger. They criticize. They make fun of you. 
Is that worth it all? Let it be. It can be a sad reality. And from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Unfortunately, there is a sad reality that the people that we love leave church, and unfortunately because of all types of enticement. There are several reasons uh, for what they do that. Let, let me quote a couple reasons to you. Some quit following Jesus because they listen to the wrong people. All right? Okay. I'm strong enough. I am sound in my Bible. Nobody's going to move me. And I say to you, be careful. All right? All these uh, people that have uh, YouTube channels, that's what they do for a living. They put all kinds of nonsense in there. Be careful to who you listen and watch because they can turn your life upside down. I say to you, be careful. As you pass, be careful. Because that's what they do. Some quit because they're following the wrong people. Okay. I'm not going to church because my friend doesn't want to go to church. That's the first mistake. You follow that? I'm not going to church because my friends don't go to church. I go to church and I let my life be a light to them so they can come to church and listen to the word of God. You say, well, but you know, what's that church? Really? Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, everybody deserted him. Only 12 and one of them was the devil. So actually it was only 11. See, I'm not impressed of mega churches. I'm not. I mean, if the Lord is blessing them, blessing them. But I think we need to, to preach the whole counsel of God. And uh, we need to stop having itching ears to see, oh, I'm only listening to this, I'm going to shut my ears to that. You know, that's the problem of our society. Right. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I didn't come to church for you to tell me I'm wrong. I'm not telling you wrong. God is saying we're wrong. I said we wrong because I include myself in that. You think I'm perfect? No. Number two, some quick fo uh, quit following Jesus because they love this world more than they love Jesus. Look what it says in Titus chapter 2, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. For Demas had forsaken me, having loved this, this present world, and it is departed into Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatian, Titus to Dalm Dalmatia. You see, Demas was a man of God. He was one of Paul's helpers. There was a church in his home. Think about that. He did a lot of good things, but eventually he got to the place where he just loved the world more than he loved God. Is this world enticing? Yes. Is this, the things of this world pleasant to the eye? Yes. Does we crave for them? Yes. But our commitment that might have come strong because it demons right here, man, they did so many things for God. You know what he did? He left. You know, since I've been saved, you know how many people have left? Not only here. And if you look at their lives, they don't go to any church at all. If you look at you don't even see them. Uh, they don't reflect Christianity at all. They left God like these people did for Jesus. They left him and went to the world. These people Jesus when, did for Jesus when he was preaching. Demas did that to Paul. And many people are doing even today. They don't have no interest on in coming to church. And they have no interest on in reading God's word. They have no interest on in following the Lord Jesus. As he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. They're following the world. 
if following the world. Number three, some will stop following Jesus because they never got saved in the first place. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they will no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You see, these people that seem like they shine for a little time, they light shine for a little time, but they don't belong to God. And God knows who they are. Then Jesus said, one of you is the devil. Who is he referring to? Judas Iscariot. Did he saw the miracles? Yes. Did he talk with Jesus? Yes. But he never believed who he was, never put his faith and trust in him. You follow that? There are people who sit in Bible-believing churches and they're not saved. They're not saved at all. So we see right here, we see that um, some will stop following you because they never got saved in the first place. So watch this as a powerful illustration. Jesus picked up one of the 12 knowing that he was not a born-again believer to become an eternal reminder that just because you say you believe in Jesus doesn't mean that you're, you're really believing him in your heart. And it can be intellectual belief. It cannot be a saving belief. The devils believe in God. The Bible says in the book of James, the devils also believe and tremble at his name. But they're not saved. Some people they say, oh, you believe in Jesus? Oh, I believe in Jesus. Okay, that's a head knowledge. It never, it never got from here to here. Number four, some quick, quit following Jesus because of his hard teachings. Now, in our text, Jesus has just finished a difficult sermon. There was a large crowd there watching him and crowds following him because they wanted to see him heal people. Jesus just fed 5,000 and some massive crowds were getting, uh, gathering there. Some were away from their families. Some were skipping out of work to follow Jesus. Some others brought their families with them to see Jesus. But Jesus preached a hard sermon uh, and, and a lot of them, sad, sad to say, couldn't handle and they walked away. So what we do today in local churches they put away these hard teachings and they're giving you people I call microwave messages or a feel-good message. They come out of the old fuzzy and feel good and that's what they want to hear. When you teach about sin, when you teach about repentance, they walk away because it's too hard. They don't want to handle it. People say, in the last days, the Bible says, people have itching ears. They don't want to hear it. Are we living in the last days? Yes, we are. Jesus can come at any moment. See, many of his disciples went back, the Bible says, and walked with them no more. They, stopped, they never followed Jesus again. They never witnessed to another miracle. They never saw Jesus fed uh, uh, people again. They never saw Jesus heal another person. Sadly, folks, that sometimes all that it takes to get someone to stop following Jesus is more than one sermon they don't agree with. I have, through the years, I had people who hang out on one word that I said and walk away because of one word. Listen to the whole message and feed on it. 
Not one word. And words can be, take, can be taken out of context. People can say, oh, he said that. And it's not what the person said. It takes one word. Let us make sure we're not that bitter. Let's make sure that we're not going to do that. If we go into growing grace, there's a lot of things that you are going to hear from the Bible on which you are going to say, that is not what I want to do, but that's hard, but I want to learn. I was, I was reading in a book of Leviticus, a passage, on which I, I, was, I was going through my Bible and I heard, and I heard that passage many times, and it got stuck in it, and I was like, oh Lord, because it, it made me think. But I didn't say in my mind, I don't want to hear this anymore. I said, Lord, I'm going to study this passage so I can understand what is you saying in here. See, we, now we committed to find the truth and say, okay, I don't understand what says here, but I, Lord, I want to understand, so I'm going to search for it. You know, there are people that read one word in the Bible and closed the Bible and never read it again. See, sometimes the past is misunderstood. Sometimes it's our lack of faith. Sometimes we don't see how it works all together. But none of us should never stop following Jesus because he tells us hard truths about us. We should take it as a, as a learning tool, not an excuse to simply walk away, and many have done that. One reason why we should follow Jesus is because he is willing to tell us what we need to hear even when we don't want to hear. Listen, even uh, in our daily living, somebody can come to you and tell you a truth that you don't want to hear. And you can make a fuss, you can raise your voice, you can walk away because you don't want to hear, but in the end of the day, you know that you needed to hear. Right? Because it's the words of truth. Let me encourage you this morning to find a church that tells you what you need to hear, even when you don't want to hear. You know what? It would be interesting if I was one of these preachers that just wanted to not to offend anybody with the preaching of God's word. I hope I don't offend anybody. Just be nice, smile. I do that quite often. I would tell you, tell you how you know, awesome you are. Everything is okay. Everything is just fine. God is good. There's no problems. You know what? We, we have a message and God is good. There's no problems. I just praise Him. You can tell me everything that you have done wrong this week. I just, I just build you up and, and, and cheer you up and everything is okay. You know, don't worry about it. Keep on doing what you do and God loves you, brother and sister. You know, just keep on doing Listen, please. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Proverbs 27, 6. You know, sometimes we need to hear the hard teaching. Sometimes, sometimes somebody needs to come to you and say, you're wrong. We don't want to hear it because it hurts. Right? But we need to hear it. I remember one time, we were in high school, and our math teacher, she had some way about herself that she carried herself in a way she was perfect. 
and we were sitting in the class, and we said, teacher, that number is wrong. She turned around. Her face turned like, like, you know, red, and she said, I'm the teacher here. Don't you tell me I'm wrong. Ma'am, it's wrong. You have a wrong number there. And all of us knew, and all the students knew, but she didn't want to admit it. And she, you know, making a fight with us. Ma'am, that's the result. That's the end of the, the equation there. That's the result there. You are wrong in that number. See, some people don't want to admit it until the next day. She apologized. Sometimes it takes a little time to digest <laughs> hard teachings, okay? Listen, listen, people don't lie to you because they love you. They lie to you because they love themselves. They want, to, want you to love them. People that uh, uh, honestly love you are willing to tell you the truth, even if it might make you upset with them for a little while. We got a Savior that loves us enough to tell us the truth. Jesus said uh, in this passage, preaches a difficult sermon, and the crowd says, we can't handle this. This is not what we came here for. We want, to be, we want you to be fair with us, Jesus. We want to see people healed. We want to be, see people fed. We want to see people feeling good. But don't teach us this stuff. And you know what they did? They will walk away. See, what those people have, have done to Jesus then is what thousands have done through the ages even to this day. They have been walking away from the Lord. Look what it says in verse 68. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Praise the Lord for Peter. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Praise the Lord that some walk away, but some stay and say, You have the words of eternal life, Lord. I'm not going anywhere. Jesus questions, Are you going to leave me too? Peter answered, Lord, we can't leave you. We know... Who you are, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'll tell you what, that's what we should do. So number one, we see accepting the hard teachings. Number two, following when the road is hard. Number three, the secret for serving God for a lifetime. And we see this in verse 16, verse 69. We just, I just quoted to you. See, in these verses we find the secret of serving God for a lifetime. Get this, if you serve Jesus for the wrong reason, you will eventually quit. Some people serve Jesus for their own status quo. You know, I know a man that was with us at First Baptist Church. And this man didn't take long. We knew he was there for his own status and his own business. And he went to the pastor and said, oh, I've been here for a month. I need, you need to give me something to do because I can just sit here. Or I leave the church. And before you know, the guy is doing this, doing that. And he's looking. You can see the pridefulness in him. The way he was carrying himself. He was telling people who he was. And he would go to the pastor and intimidate the pastor. Right in front of people. He didn't care. Oh, pastor, you know who I am. You know what I do. You know, you have to give me something here because you knew who I am. You know who I am. You see, that's serving God for their own self-interest. Please don't come here and serve God for your own interests. That's not what God wants from you and me. God wants humility. A servant's heart. That we serve because that's what's in our heart to do because we love the Lord. Not because we want to see, have a status quo and, and have a name so people can look at us. 
Please don't, please don't look at me that way. Don't idle me. Don't do that. I'm just a servant. Amen. The secret of serving Jesus. Not letter A, following Jesus for stimulation. Verse 2, look what it says. A great multitude follow him because they saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. Let me tell you, folks, people come to church for what they can get, not than what they can give. What a sad reality that we live here in America today in some parts of the world. What can you do for me? Oh, they call the church. Oh, what did your church have that, that I can benefit from? You guys have a basketball court? You guys, you guys have a gym? What about a, a dance floor? Do you guys have any of those things? Uh, what about with the kids? What, what, what do you have for, what kind of things do you have for the kids? Oh, we don't have this one. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I'm calling the wrong church. Folks, that's the reality of our world today. Let it be. Following Jesus for self-preservation. Look, look, it says in verse 26. Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek, that's John 6, 26, ye seek me not because he saw the miracles, but because he did eat of the loaves and were filled. You see, some people come to the house of God and following Jesus to fill their bellies. Well, you know what? We all like a full belly. But listen, they're looking for self-preservation. They don't care about God. Even Jesus has the, the king of kings walking on earth. Let me tell you this. They didn't care about him. But what he was doing. Oh, he's feeding people. Let's go over there. Oh, he's feeding Let's go over there. What a sad reality of our world today. Is this hard teaching? Let us see, following Jesus for who he is. John, right there in verse 69, and we believe. This says we, not I. We believe that and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. There was 12 left. One was the devil, but 11 believed. 11 really believed that who he was, that he was telling the truth. You see, I don't know what to say, Jesus, you might say things that I don't like, Jesus, because of the way I live. I don't know what you are telling me, Lord, today. You may take, take me through some circumstances that, I, honestly, I don't like it a bit. I may don't like the path that you have for me at this moment, but regardless of all this, I know who you are. You are my Jesus. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. You are my King. You are my Heavenly Father. You are my Creator. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I know you are. I know who you are. And regardless of my circumstances, I am sticking with you, Jesus. I'm not going anywhere, Jesus. I will serve you until you take me home. Listen, folks. There is only one Jesus and one Savior. There is nobody else. Some people make a Jesus in their mind the way they want to picture it in their mind. But the Jesus of the Bible is only one. When God introduced himself to Moses, he said, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. Moses followed God because he figured out who God was, the great I am. Isaiah followed God because he saw him high and lifted up. Look, it says in Isaiah 6, 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw so the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and, and his train filled the temple. Isaiah saw him lifted up, and he experienced his glory. Isaiah followed God and because of, uh, he became a mighty preacher, a prophet during great difficult times in Israel. The kings and, and peasants 
because he saw God for who he was. I'll tell you what, we will never leave Jesus if we see him for who he is. If we don't see Jesus for who he is, we will stop following him. We want a Jesus that fits our lifestyle. We will want a Jesus that fits what we want instead of who he is. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw, Oh, who is me, a man of unclean lips? Well, that is a prophet of God. If this man, I mean, it was a man chosen by God to go and be, to be uh, one that preached the word of God. I tell you what, what about us? We're not prophets. Who is Jesus to you? The Bible says that Jesus is the physical embodiment of the Godhead and Jesus is the, is the Savior of the world. Hebrews 12, 2, the author and finish of our faith. 1 Timothy 6, 15 says, Who is the blessed and only potent, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Six, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. 1 Peter 5, for the chief shepherd. The Hebrews 2.10, uh, the captain of our salvation. Luke 9.20, the Christ of God. John 1.3, all things were made by him. Romans 11.26, he's our deliverer. Revelation 1.7, behold, he cometh with clouds, and every knee shall see him, and they shall also with pierce him, and all kindreds of the earth shall veil shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning of the end, said the Lord which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. You see, folks, that's my Jesus. That's who he is. I hope that he is you, Jesus, too. Jesus is the hero of the book, of the book we call the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the hero of the Bible. In Genesis is the seed of the woman. In Exodus is the Passover lamb. Leviticus is a high priest. In Numbers is the cloud by day and a pillow by the fire by night. Deuteronomy is our lawgiver. In Joshua is the captain of our salvation. In Judges is the mighty judge. In Ruth is our kinsman redeemer. First Samuel is our trusted prophet. In first, in second, um, I'm sorry. In First and Second Kings is is the Lord of our King. In First and Second Chronicles is the Lord of our foundation. In Ezra, Jesus is the faithful spouse. Nehemiah is the builder of the broken down walls. In Esther, is the unseen protector. In Job, is our redeemer. In Psalm, is our shepherd. In Proverbs, is our wisdom. Ecclesiastes, is our sufficiency. In the songs of Solomon, is our beloved, is our beloved. In Isaiah, is the prince, is our prince of peace. Jeremiah is the balm of Gilead. In Lamentation, is our weeping prophet. In Ezekiel is the wonderful uh, four-faced man. In Daniel is the fourth man in the fairy furnace. In Hosea is the faithful husband. In Joel is the holy baptizer. In Amos is the burden bearer. In Obadiah is the mighty to save. In Jonah is our foreign missionary. In Micah is the messenger with the beautiful feet. In Nahum is the avenger of God's elect. In Habakkuk is the God's, is God's evangelist. In Zephaniah is our Savior. In Haggai is the restorer of our lost heritage. In Zechariah is the foundation. In Malachi is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. Folks, that's my Jesus. That's the one I worship. In Matthew is the, is the Messiah. In Mark is the sacrificial servant. In Luke is the son of man. In John, he is the son of God. 
In Acts, the foundation of the church. In Romans, our justifier. In First and Second Corinthians, is our sanctifier. In Galatians, he is a redeemer from the curse of the law. In Ephesians, is our unsearchable riches. In Philippians, is the supply of all of our needs. In Colossians, is the fullness of Godhead. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is the Son coming King. In First and Second Timothy, is the mediator between God and man. In Titus is our faithful pastor. In Philemon is our friend that sticks closer to it than a brother. In Hebrews is the blood of everlasting covenant. In James is our great physician. In first and second Peter is our chief pastor, uh, shepherd. In first and second and third John he is love. In Jude is the Lord coming with ten thousand of his saints. In Revelation is the King of Kings, and is the Lord of Lords. That's my Jesus. I hope that's your Jesus too. That's the Jesus I worship. I hope that you Jesus too. See, he is the hero of the Bible. And today what we do, let's give him a feel-good message. The whole multitude stopped following him. Twelve stayed behind and one was the devil. You see, nothing different from our world today. Nothing different. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go when life hurts? To whom shall we go when, when we don't know what street we should head to? To whom shall we go? We go to a friend that let you down. We go to a family member, they don't want to hear it. We went to a co-worker at work, they're too busy. We go to a neighbor, he's whatever he's doing or she was doing. You know what? Sometimes we need Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible. King David said... In Psalm 19, when the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament show his handiwork. This is our Jesus. This is my Jesus. The multitudes, I conclude with this, walked away from us, him because they simply did not want it to hear Jesus' words. And today, my friends, churches are getting smaller because people don't want to hear Jesus' words. What can you give me when I come to your church? This is not my church. It's our church. If you're not here, I'm going to preach the pews. This is our church, not my church. When you think about First Baptist Church, I mean, East Bay Baptist Church, just think, that's my church. That's where I worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. That's where I worship my Jesus. And sometimes, Lord, yes, it hurts when you, when you say something, Lord. Sometimes I really don't want to hear it, Lord. You know, because, you know, I really don't want to hear I know what you're going to say before you open your mouth, Lord. I don't want to hear it. But you know what? I need to hear it. And Jesus said, you going away too? I love Peter. To whom shall we go, Lord? You have the words of eternal life. Listen, to whom shall we go? Get this, there's no other way but Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one come to the Father but by me. Is Jesus your Savior? Is Jesus your King? Let me ask you this. Are you going to walk away too? That's what Jesus said to his 12 disciples. You're going to walk away too? 
And he says, and he knew one of them, it was the devil. It disgusts me when people say that Judas had no opportunity to get saved. Folks, he chose not to get saved. That's what he did. He made his choice, like all of us do. You know why you're here this morning? Because you made a choice to be here. You know why I'm here this morning? Oh, you're the preacher. No, no, I made a choice to be here. I was really sleeping comfortable this morning. <laughs> I was really was. That alarm came on, I was like, Ugh. you know. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to whom shall we go? When life hurts, when we don't know our way, to whom shall we go? I hope we run to you, Lord, not away from you, but to you. You have the words of eternal life. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, when we put our eyes on the world instead of you. Help us, each one of us. Help me. I need to hear that message, this message this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you could stand, please. Page 509. Same song we sing last week. Take time to be holy. Now, don't be afraid of holy and what it is. Holy is separated unto God. Okay? It's not perfect. It's being separated unto God. Take time to be holy. In a world that we live in today, so much lying going on. Let's sing this song. Take time to be holy, speak off of thy Lord, abide him in always, and feed on his word. Make friends with God's children, help those who are weak, forgetting nothing his blessings to seek take time to be holy the world rushes on spend much time in secret with Jesus alone by looking to Jesus like him that shall be thy friends and thy conduct his likeness shall see I just want to say this morning to you to whom shall we go who do you run to when life is hard do you think of Jesus at all listen please listen when life is hard, when life hurts, when problems are overwhelming, don't run away from God, run to God. The worst mistake we can do is run away from God. Run to God. Don't blame Him. Don't blame Him. You know one thing that my son told me this week? They lost their little child. And he said to me, Dad, I'm going to pray hard and pray for me that I don't blame God for this. You know, my heart says you're hard in the right place, kid. 
I didn't say that to him, but that's what, you know what? He's concerned. Daddy doesn't want to blame God for it. What a blessing to hear that. Not because it's my son, but when, when you think that way, we need to do that. Don't we, we don't need to blame God. Let's run to God, not away from God. Folks, people are running away from churches because they don't want to hear the, the preaching of God's word. If it's too hard, they leave. And they say, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to church for you to tell me how to live and what to do. Nobody's telling you that. We're just preaching the word of God. That's what we're preaching. It is for you to make a decision what you're going to do with it. I'm not going to your house and tell you, oh, that's wrong, that's right. Tell you how to live. No, that's your decision. You heard the word of God. Now you make your decision what you want to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the privilege you give me this morning to be able to preach this message. It's not an easy message to preach. Thank you for these dear folks, Lord, that attentively were listening to me. Lord, I, I look at them, and I know they love you, and they want to live for you. Give them strength, Lord. May they not look at the world for answers, but look at you. You have the answers of eternal life. You have the answers for life, and we need you, Lord. To whom shall we go? May we run to you, all of us, when life is hard. In Jesus' name I pray.